Hey everybody, welcome to Fearless Paranoia. Thank you for joining us here where we seek to demystify the complex and confusing world of cybersecurity. I'm Brian, the cybersecurity attorney, joined by Ryan, the cybersecurity architect. Thank you all for enduring my absence for the last two weeks. I'm sure it was rough. Courtesy of a case of pneumonia given to me by my son, I could pretty much barely talk for the last two weeks. My wife thoroughly enjoyed the silence, but my voice has returned, so I am back here to talk to all of you. So we're going to have an interesting series of episodes here. We don't normally do continuous multi-part episodes like this. Usually we'll do one subset of a particular topic, but there's an issue that has come up lately that we really want to talk about, and there's just no way to talk about it succinctly in one episode and keep it digestible as we want these episodes to be. So what we are going to be talking about for the next three episodes, we'll just call it the chat GPT discussion. We're going to be talking about artificial intelligence, and we're going to talk about it in three parts. This episode is going to be discussing primarily the definition behind what we actually mean when we're talking about AI. One of the most frustrating things for me over the past few months in reading about all of these new technologies, ChatGPT, BARD, all the generative AI image development stuff, is that everyone talks about AI and no one seems to have any really comprehensive idea of what they're talking about. There's the sci-fi version of AI, which is really what a lot of people think of, which is the autonomous machine that learns, operates independently, everything like that, and actually uses human-level intellect. That's what most analysis describes as general AI. Well, general AI does not exist right now. And most real experts on general AI believe that it is 50 to 60 to infinity years away. General AI is a concept that a lot of very, very smart, very serious people believe may never happen. It is a complex thing that our brains do on a second by second basis. Okay, so we're going to talk about what AI means. And we're going to give you some examples of a few of the things that currently exist when we talk about AI that what we're talking about. The second episode, we're going to talk about how we got here and where we're going. What is the whole drive behind AI? What benefits do we think we're going to get out of it? And what are some of the key things that both Ryan and I kind of anticipate as being great benefits of some of this technology moving forward? The third episode, we're going to talk about the scary stuff. This is what we fear and what we've heard others describe as their fears of this AI, we'll call it AI menace. Everything from the existential to the banal and boring yet still phenomenally dangerous potential downsides to the use of the AI tools that are out there right now. So with that, we're going to get started. Ryan, is there anything else you wanted to mention about what we're going to be talking about here before we dive into these definitions? Uh, no, I think we can just jump in and start really digging into these AI is going to be a really fun discussion. And I think there's a lot to cover. All right. Well, right off the bat, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the definition of what AI is. Artificial intelligence in a broad context is the enabling of a machine or a system to operate like a human, to sense, to reason, to act, to adapt. And it is a combination of various tools and devices, a whole number of different aspects of the ways a machine can operate and react and act more like a human. Then there's the more specific topic of generative AI. Now, we talked about general AI just a second ago. General AI is the concept of HAL, you know, that self-sufficient, self-operating computer system that thinks on its own. Generative AI is actually probably the big thing that we're dealing with now. And generative AI is a type of AI that produces stuff. It writes things. It creates pictures, imagery, audio, video. That's really the big subject of what we've been dealing with lately is either 
text-based or generative AI. And I think the most specific thing we can talk about there is the concept of generating a response to a human interaction. We are actually going to discuss machine learning in a future episode. It's a very interesting topic, but people very frequently confuse machine learning and AI. Machine learning is a component of an artificial intelligence system. Machine learning is when a machine is able to learn. It's when you set up a system to have specific inputs to create a response based on those inputs that improves over time and that it learns from its own answers based on an algorithm. Machine learning, however, is only a part of AI and machine learning actually does itself exist entirely separately from AI as well. Machine learning does not require AI to operate. We're not gonna be talking about machine learning specifically and directly, but just know that it is included in what we're talking about. Okay, Ryan, I've just said a lot of words. I'm good at saying those words. Can you do me a favor and just tell me what those words together meant? Well, it was a lot of words. What it really means is that as human beings were looking for ways to continue to branch out and use these technological tools that we've developed to further automate tasks. Ever since we put together things like the assembly line and other automations, that's just been human nature is to find ways to take those general, repeatable, rather boring, but necessary tasks and find ways to automate them. And in this case, this is trying to take the next step of evolution into quite a few other spaces by jumping into this type of use of computing power to generate similar output to what we would produce naturally as humans rather than just producing producing an output based on computational inputs has been kind of the nature or has been the nature of computing for quite a few decades now. So this is really just kind of a next step where we are starting to step away from just using computers to do computing things. And now we're looking at the opportunity to use computers to do human things, which is relatively new. And so jumping into things like generative AI and all of the underlying things like large language models, which make up the power and the capacity behind it is really, really a first interesting step. And we're starting to see it be used for a whole variety of things. And it's being adopted by a variety of different companies. It's gotten a lot of traction and it's really going to be interesting to see how many different good use cases we can find as people to, uh, to take advantage of these advances in technology. So you said something right there. I want to try to do as many of the definitions of, you know, help people understand what we're talking about. So anyone who's heard of ChatGPT over the last six months, I mean, I guess it really didn't launch until the end of November, but by January, it had something like 100 million users. It was the fastest growing app. There's a poll I saw recently that said half of legal professionals responded to a survey saying that they use chat GPT or a similar large language model as part of their daily, or they use it on a daily basis. And I immediately questioned and said, okay, this survey, how are they defining legal professionals? How are they defining use? And how are they defining daily? Because the bottom line is, I don't know that many people who have yet found a way to incorporate chat GPT or a similar system into their daily routines. That's, it hasn't happened yet. It will happen just the same way a computer became a part of the daily routine. That sort of thing will likely happen because it makes a lot of things faster. But at the same time, people talk about chat GPT and talk about it as AI, but it is a very specific type of AI. And you mentioned the term large language model. Now, I know large language model is actually, when I mentioned machine learning earlier, the whole point of the large language model is it's a type of machine learning algorithm. That's how it functions, I guess. Talk about what large language model means. What do you mean when you say that? Well, we can talk about it two different ways. Let's take a real quick and let's let 
the large language model and the generative AI tell you really quick what the difference is. Large language model says it's a use of artificial neural networks with a large number of parameters that have been trained on massive amounts of text data. These models are capable of generating coherent and fluent text that mimics human language, primarily used for language generation tasks such as text completion, language translation, text summarization. Generative AI, on the other hand, refers to a broader category of artificial intelligence capable of generating new content or output such as images, videos, music based on a set of rules or inputs. This can include techniques such as deep learning, reinforcement learning, and evolutionary algorithms. So that's the definition from ChatGPT right there of what it is that makes up ChatGPT. And But if we want to really simplify it down, it's an input and processing and an output. And really at its core, that's how these two are kind of interacting with one another. And that's why they have a lot of overlap because one is being used to bring in large sets of data and do interesting things with it. And prepare a lot of interesting capabilities with it. The other tool is reaching into those capabilities and finding ways to generate creative and interesting outputs that people actually want to see using the models that are put together. You're listening to the Fearless Paranoia podcast. For more information on keeping yourself, your family, and your company protected against cyber threats, check out the Resilience Cybersecurity and Data Privacy blog. If you're enjoying this podcast, please like and subscribe using any of your favorite podcast platforms. Also, please share this podcast with anyone you think would find it helpful or useful. We rely on listeners like you to help get the word out about this show, and we appreciate the support. Now, time for some more cybersecurity. If we were to talk about just on a step-by-step basis, then what it is that you've got your input, which is, as it says, text and data. Well, we know ChatGPT basically, and we'll get to this later, essentially crawled the internet and read text. And it was fed in, and over years, and we're talking about years here, that input was categorized by human reviewers and listed and values were placed onto it because with machine learning, there has to be a value. It can't just be an unorganized cut. So you have values so that the machine knows what's being put in. And then based on an algorithm, it takes that inputs and creates an output. Now the next step on there, the generative AI portion, is that output then has rules applied to it and essentially said, okay, so we're going to ask based on its inputs what the output should be. And then we're going to take the output and configure it in a way that it's understandable language. You know, it might have a response that has a ton of nouns and verbs in a random order, but that's simply not how things work. So you have rules that further narrow it down into something that's understandable and also responsive to the question. And also probably not, you know, providing, for example, you know, details from the anarchist cookbook and other things like that, you know, rules that you content rules. So you make sure that you're not allowing dangerous people to require dangerous knowledge simply and easily over the internet. Yeah, especially the very last part about the input sanitization. That's a huge piece in cybersecurity that uh, everybody, it's a drum everybody in cybersecurity wants to beat, I think, is uh, is that one. But yeah, making sure you've got great data to use and great processing and finding ways to derive creative outputs. I mean, you've hit all the, all the nails right on the head. Okay, so that's, I think, a good point to shift away from what we mean, what we're saying to what we're actually talking about. Because the bottom line here, there's so many different things we can talk about of what this stuff does and various options. So we'll start with text. Now we know that there are text models and among those is chat GPT, but there's also discussion about chat GPT being a chat bot. What does that mean? What is the difference between those? Yeah. I mean, realistically, again, it's a chat bot, so it's made to take human interaction and it's made to provide an equivalent interaction back. And so that's really the underlying core of that type of interactive chat implementation of generative AI. It needs to provide not just a structured output, but one that 
is conversational in nature. So realistically, the outputs are fine-tuned around recorded conversation or documented conversation to kind of fall in line with the same grammatical uses and the same sentence structure that we would otherwise use rather than just deriving a raw output. Other AI obviously would tailor its outputs based on the specific use cases and whatever is the most effective way to provide those outputs. And in this case, ChatGPT provides something that's hopefully easy to read, makes sense, which it doesn't always, but that's the point behind it. And mm-hmm. hopefully, you know, it'll get there. But that's the point is it's, it's made to be conversational effectively. And like that same thing would be true of Bard and Bing Chat is always listed as similar, but but these are chatbots designed to interact with you and receive an answer. I mean, basically it's it's if, if you turned Ask Chiefs into an actual responsive. And it takes it one step further though with the generative AI. So with something like Ask Jeeves or Google, you can easily format in an entire question. I know people that will just pick up their phone and just say whatever, hey Siri or hey Google, whatever, and will ask it an entire question. All of that just gets pasted right into the search bar, basically, and then it does its normal search engine, you know, rating of whatever, and it produces an output for you. In this case, it's not just producing outputs, it's or it will produce outputs, but it's not just producing a list of outputs, it's producing conversational return output back to you. But then the generative AI models is also made to take that one step further. Now, if you go and say, get a set of search results from Google, and then you go ask Google, hey, what would you think of a way to parse through these search results? Or what's your opinion on a piece? or some other aspect of these search results, Google's going to treat that as an entirely new search and it's going to go through and produce a whole new set of results. It's not going to relate that in any fashion directly mm-hmm. to your previous search. Yeah. The conversational aspect of something like ChatGPT allows you to take those previous outputs that it's even produced for you and then take another look at them from another aspect. I've had a couple conversations with ChatGPT where I said, I'm not happy with this output. Can we look at this from a different perspective? And all of a sudden, it will reassess everything that it's given to you based on those new criteria and provide a new set of outputs. And so it's a different level of being able to kind of do that communication. So if something like that can be applied to search engines in the future, it's going to make the ability to get to the data you want much more efficient because now you can just ask it a few questions, continually tweak your search until you get right to the piece that you need. Right now, we're just kind of punching it into Google. Maybe you have to redo the Google search four or five, six times to get exactly the keywords that are the right ones, or you just need to go through page after page after page to look for what you're trying to find. Here, you can help use this tool and continually just through conversation, guide that path closer to its finish line much quicker, and the tool will just help you get there. You're listening to the Fearless Paranoia Podcast. We're here to help make the complex language of cybersecurity understandable. So if there are topics or issues that you'd like Ryan and I to break down in an episode, send us an email at info at fearlessparanoia.com or reach out to us on Facebook or LinkedIn. For more information about today's episode, be sure to check out fearlessparanoia.com where you'll find a full transcript as well as links to helpful resources and any research and reports discussed during the episode. While you're there, check out our other posts and podcasts as well as additional helpful resources for learning about cybersecurity. Now back to the show. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there are all sorts of other tools when we're talking about generative AI. And I do include these chatbots as generative AI because even though the primary driver behind them and the things everyone's talking about is the large language models, they are taking the output of the large language model, putting it into a conversational form, which means they are creating content and they're creating it responsive to something. And the interactive nature of it, in my mind, even creates an even greater reason to you know, define it as generative AI. And some of the other big ones that have been making the news lately, there are plenty of image AIs. I think that probably the, the stable diffusion and mid 
Mid Journey, probably the most talked about recently. I'm blanking right now on which one of them got busted by Getty Images was because they uh, they kept generating. They, they stole so many pictures that were watermarked with Getty yeah. Image that a bunch of their generated images actually had the Getty Images watermark on it. To me, that's the shot they did of the Pope was pretty phenomenal too. The Pope in the trench coat or whatever that was. Oh, the, was, the big uh, puffy, the big was, puffy coat. That was very, very entertaining. I use Midjourney all the time just to, for nothing more than personal enjoyment and entertainment. But uh, yeah, and that's and of course now it's I, if I'm not mistaken, Midjourney did just take down their basic free to use tier because of those Pope pictures. But it is one of those great examples of where people need to put that filter on when they sit in front of the computer that is critical. You really need to channel Socrates there and question everything and just be able to and prepared to separate everything you see as not necessarily real life. Because of the things that can be created, I mean, there are plenty of email response ones that'll write an email response based on the input and based on your previous emails that you plug in. There are the GitHub Copilot is a huge one I know is being used a lot for people who want to develop code. I question the sincerity of anyone who says that helping people write malicious code is one of the scariest things about this because I tend to think that the people who are willing to rely on at least the current versions of generative AI to create malicious code, we're going to do it anyways. But you are are taking some of the easier steps out of the process. Most of the malicious code so far that people have tried to produce coming out of these engines tends to be quite poorly coded, quickly picked up and fingerprinted. And uh, I don't think that, I think it's going to be a while and it's going to take someone that's got really creative ability to speak the GPT language, basically to know how to ask the right things to get the code tailored the way it needs to be before they're ever going to be really effective at that. So I think you're going to see the same way you had people learn Google Foo back in the day and got to be your, your really big Google experts. I think people are going to have to figure out whatever it's going to be, LLM Foo, generative AI foo, whatever the next foo is going to be, that's going to be the thing that's going to take us forward. But I think that in order to really get that effective of an output, at least anytime in the near future, while this is still under development, is going to take some really interesting creativity. And most of the developers of this are pretty well aware of it. And those putting large amounts of money into it are actively working to combat this because they understand they don't want their projects to be tarnished by having this kind of abuse to it, especially when it's in these early stages and they're still trying to get their footholds. Yep. There's just a lot of tools out there that are using generative AI systems to, let's face it, this, we're, the most likely outcome of any development on this front is not going to be a mass replacement, but a mass augmentation. We're not all going to be replaced by robots. We're all going to become cyborgs. That's the takeaway that I've got from this. As a person who has spent a lot of time over the last 10 years as a content creator, I look at a lot of these and I have fears, but I also have that feeling you get in your stomach where it's just, you're a little bit more excited about the potential promise. And it's a very interesting subject and it's one we're going to be getting to shortly. We are out of time for this particular episode, but make sure you tune in next week and the week after next, we have the remaining two parts of this three-part series where we discuss the promise of generative AI and then the peril of generative AI. I want to thank you for joining us today. Remind everybody that you can subscribe to Fearless Paranoia through your favorite podcasting apps or through our website or any of our social media sites. Please, please do share this episode out if you find it useful or know anyone who could benefit from actually understanding what they're talking about when they talk about AI. I think it's a pretty valuable little tool, but we're going to really enjoy discussing the rest of this with you. On behalf of Fearless Paranoia, I am Brian. And I am Ryan. And we'll see you next time. 